What's up, guys? It's Pete Mundo of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks for downloading this week's radio show. We turn it into a podcast. We appreciate you being a part of it. It's brought to you by BetNow.eu. Use the promo code HEARTLAND for a 100% sign-up deposit bonus. We're placing our Big 12 bets there. I hope you do as well. And also, as always, rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Can't thank you enough for doing that. It really helps us out as we continue to grow this thing from the grassroots level. So thank you for that. And screenshot me a picture of your review to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com, and I will send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. It's a great deal. I appreciate it, guys. Enjoy the show. Third and goal at the three, and Iowa State moved at the snap. Skyler Thompson to the goal line. Touchdown. Shots with the night out. He's at the Baylor 35, the 30, the 25, the 20. It's a foot race to the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. He goes again. David Sills with a 53 yard touchdown reception. We're going all night long, everybody. And the Cyclones win it. They have knocked off the number four TCU Hard Frogs. This is not some mirage. When the sun goes down, stars come out. It's a they just kept trying to catch him, and he just kept running away from him. It's 81 yards for McCleskey on the grab. Locked it down the middle for Rodney. It's caught at the 10, to the 5, into the end zone. It's a touchdown! Oh, mother! So all in all, this really was a very, very good week for the Big 12 Conference. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Appreciate you coming into the show if it's your first time, whether it's on the podcast or on the radio show. We're on several affiliates in Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, West Virginia. We appreciate you joining us, and we just have so much to get into throughout the hour. So Let's start off with this past weekend. It was not a great weekend for the conference. You know, if TCU had gone out there and beaten Ohio State, then we have a different story. But the two games I was most concerned about for this conference was the Oklahoma State and Boise State game and the Houston-Texas Tech game. And the reason being that, yes, Boise State and Houston are two really solid group of five programs. There's no doubt about that. They're good. They deserve to be respectable or respected. But the Big 12 already these first couple of weeks had a credibility problem because of the losses that they had suffered thus far. You know, whether it was Texas to Maryland or Texas Tech to Ole Miss or Kansas to an FCS program. If the Big 12 went out there and lost a pair of games to group of five schools, the classic Big 12 hater would have gone out there and said, you know what? Big 12 is basically the AAC. And you remember that a couple of years ago, the AAC tried to start the whole Power 6 conferences instead of Power 5. It's like, get get out of here, would you, with the Power 6 nonsense? Who is ever buying that? But that group, that crowd would have been a little bit louder had Boise State and Houston gone out there and picked up a couple of wins over Big 12 schools over the weekend. That's absolutely what would have happened. So it's a good thing that the Big 12 did not have to deal with that. And not only did the two Big 12 schools, Oklahoma State and Texas Tech, win, they won convincingly. 
It wasn't pretty for the Texas Tech defense in that 63-49 win over Houston, but they got the win. They were an underdog at some point throughout the week in that game, and to go out there and pick up a W is huge, absolutely huge for Cliff Kingsbury because if he had fallen to 1-2 and two through his first three non-conference games, I don't think he would have made the season. I really don't believe that because this team now has a solid chance to get to a bowl game. Six and six gets you there. And I believe six and six helps Cliff Kingsbury keep his job. So you think about three wins they should be able to get in the conference, just not even looking at the schedule week by week breakdown. Texas Tech has a very good chance to beat both Kansas schools along with Baylor. That's three wins. They got to get four Big 12 wins to get the six overall wins. So one of your other six games. It's possible. It's very doable for Cliff Kingsbury. So all of a sudden, his seat is a little safer than it was a couple of weeks ago. And meantime, Oklahoma State, I, I just feel like we're overlooking this team. And I did this as well. I'm guilty as charged. Mason Rudolph gone. James Washington gone. Studs on both lines gone. Taylor Cornelius, the fifth-year senior walk-on, is your starting quarterback, not the sexy true freshman Spencer Sanders or the hot Hawaii transfer Drew Brown. No, it's the fifth-year senior former walk-on who nobody's ever seen throw a pass. But Taylor Cornelius, a.k.a. Corndog, has something in him. I'm not going to sit here and say they're going to win the Big 12. But all three phases of that Oklahoma State team, they may be as well-rounded as they've ever been. And there is a part of Taylor Cornelius that reminds me a little bit of Big Ben Roethlisberger because he can run. He's 6'6", 230. He's a total house. And when he gets out in space, it's not always pretty, but he's pretty effective. You know, he can pick you up five, six, seven, eight yards at a time. And he just keeps barreling. He's got forward momentum. And what the game told me as well is that Oklahoma State is going to make some noise near the top of the Big 12. Remember last week, the question was, who's going to play or who's going to be able to beat Oklahoma? I don't know if Oklahoma State can beat Oklahoma. They probably would be at least a two-touchdown dog if they played today. But I can tell you this. They are in that conversation with TCU and West Virginia as the team most likely to be able to take down the Oklahoma Sooners at some point this year. And that's what we want. You know, if you're a Big 12 fan like I am, what you want is solid competitive play. Who's got the best chance to beat an Oklahoma Sooners team at some point this season? Well, you'd say TCU, you'd say West Virginia, and now you can throw Oklahoma State into that mix. It was tough those first two weeks against Missouri State and South Alabama because the competition was such garbage. And, yeah, Boise State threw the ball around the yard quite a bit in Stillwater, but Jim Knowles' defense looked solid. They had a couple of big special teams plays with the two blocked punts. And the offense, the wide receivers are great. Cornelius does not have the touch on the deep ball that Mason Rudolph had, but he's different. And as long as they know how to utilize him in the best way possible, Oklahoma State's going to be a team that could possibly start sneaking up on folks. Now, the TCU game against Ohio State, I realized they lost it. They were up by a point at halftime. But overall, I think TCU did the Big 12 a solid 
over the weekend. I firmly believe that that was – I'm not a moral victory guy. I'm not. But you have to look at that game and say, TCU, little old TCU. And I'm not saying that to be insulting. I'm just saying smaller private school, new to the Power Five, relatively speaking, went out there and played their tails off and had a great chance to beat one of the most, if not the most talented team in the country outside of Alabama. After the game, Ohio State players said that the speed from TCU is unlike anything they've ever seen. Well, that's because you play in the Big Ten. (laughs) And the Big Ten had a horrible, absolutely horrible week three. I laugh at the Big Ten. The folks who think the Big Ten is somehow the second best conference in America. Oh, boy, I got a bridge to sell you. The SEC looks really good this year. I'm not going to deny it. I can't stand the SEC. I can't. But they look really good and really deep this year. That Ole Miss team that blew out Tech, that might be, I don't know, the sixth or seventh best team in the SEC West, of which there are only seven teams. But here's something interesting Gary Patterson, the TCU head coach, had to say during the Big 12 coaches teleconference earlier this week. I mean, I thought we ran the ball and we made some mistakes. It gave up a couple touchdowns. Um, but outside of that, I thought it was, it, was, it, was, it was a good ball game for us to be a measuring stick of understanding um, now going into big play, how, what the level of play you have to play as to beat somebody of that caliber. So. And I do believe it was a great measuring stick for Gary Patterson and his Horn Frogs team, which is very talented but has some young guys at important positions. And the fact that they played toe-to-toe with an Ohio State team should give this program a lot of confidence as the season rolls along. And Sean Robinson, in what was that, his fourth career start for TCU? He had a lot of reasons to be upset, to get down on himself, whether it was the strip sack in the end zone or, uh, you know, throw in the interception, the pick six in the third quarter. That was ugly. And that's why I thought Ohio State would win. I just thought Sean Robinson was good, but I thought he would make a big mistake as a young player, and he did. That being said, he bounced back every time. He was relatively unfazed. And for a young kid, not whatever he is, 19, 20 years old, give him a lot of props for how he handled that difficult situation. You do. And TCU is going to be better for that game last week. And you clearly see that TCU and Gary Patterson, he does not rebuild. He reloads. This guy for the past three, four years has been recruiting in the top 25 in the country with his recruiting classes better than Mike Gundy has been and a lot of others in the Big 12, and you are seeing that talent pay off. It's not all guys that you and I know that we're comfortable with or you know we see at the top as five-star guys. or uh, you know He gets a decent amount of four-star guys, but he gets those high-end three-star guys that, that are very, very valuable to any program. And Texas, let me just say this about Texas. We have a lot to get to here throughout the show. But let me say this about Texas. Tom Herman has this ability to get his guys to play up to competition. Unfortunately, they also play down the competition. And playing up to competition is a very good trait for a team to have. You saw Tom Herman have that against, or when he was at Houston, against the likes of Oklahoma, against, I believe it was, who was that? Was it Louisville, I believe, in the bowl game? You see it time and time again. But gosh, when you play down the competition too, that's unflattering as it is positive to play up to competition. That's the reality for this Texas Longhorns team. 
And this TCU game this weekend is as fascinating as any thus far on the Big 12 schedule. It's that good. It's that big for both teams. We have a lot more to get to on that as the show rolls along here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. I'm Pete Mundo. We're going to talk some Mountaineers. How can this bye week, this second off week, whatever you want to call it from the hurricane, the NC State game was canceled last week. How will this affect this team as it gets ready for K-State this weekend? Brandon Lowe of Fox Sports Charleston, 9.50 a.m., is going to join us coming up right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Let's keep it rolling on Heartland College Sports Weekly and welcome in a guy who's a a friend of the show. Our show is actually on his station. He's been kind enough to carry it. And that is Brandon Lowe, Fox Sports Charleston, 9.50 a.m. His show, the Brandon Lowe Show, is on 5 o'clock Eastern time every Monday through Friday. So, Brandon, appreciate a few minutes. Let's get right to it with the Mountaineers. This quasi-bye week they get added to the schedule because of the cancellation with NC State. Does that ultimately help this team, hurt this team, or is it indifferent? I think it does a little bit of both in terms of when you look at the playoff picture, if West Virginia has an opportunity to be looked at at the playoff committee at the end of the year, you look at their non-conference wins, they have a win over an SEC opponent in Tennessee, but Tennessee, of course, we saw what they did last year, 0-8 in conference play. Now, we don't want to look backwards, but when you look at this team this year, new coach, new staff, I think Virginia to win that football game. Still a nice win, but I think a lot of people probably expect the West Virginia to win over Tennessee. Then you look at their other non-conference win, and that's downstate. But, again, it's a game I think uh, most thought West Virginia would handle just fine as, as they did. So, at the playoff picture, if there is an opportunity for West Virginia, I think West Virginia is going to have to run the table. I think they would have to run the table. And maybe I, I don't really see a West Virginia team having one loss. Um, and getting into the playoffs. But if that was to come to terms, like I said, at the end of the season, I think that hurts. Going into this game in in Kansas State, Holgerson's done a great job of keeping his players prepared. This hasn't necessarily been an off week for a week, and uh, they they chose that Saturday off, and and his uh, his guys put together a a plan, and uh, they had a chance, I'm sure, to look at what Kansas State brought this weekend. And, 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 you know, a little bit of good, a little bit of bad, but... I think they're ready, and I think uh, and you heard in Holgerson and Teleconference uh, today that uh, they're not taking Kansas State lightly because you know the history of the series. It's been close as of late. West Virginia's taken the last two, but Kansas State, 2012, 13, 14, 15, uh, has taken those games as well. So this, is, uh, this has been a very closely uh, fought battle between Kansas State and West Virginia. Brandon Lowe's joining us, Fox Sports Charleston, his show, The Brandon Lowe Show, Monday to Friday, 5 to 6. He's on Twitter at WBES, Brandon Lowe, that's Lowe with an E. Brandon, let me ask you about uh, this this team in general, big picture. I think certainly through these first two games, Mountaineers fans uh, excited by the fact that the defense has held its own. Now, it hasn't had a great test yet. The Tennessee offense, mediocre, Youngstown State division down. K-State does not have a great offense, but we're finally going to get a feel as to whether or not this is a defense that Dana Holgerson can win a Big 12 championship with based on how good this offense is. What are you seeing with this defense? I think it's certainly improved. Um, You know, my guys covering camp throughout uh, leading up to the season, the guys are bigger. I think the issue last year, obviously injuries, but they're very small up front. They didn't get a lot of push up front. They were – 
every team it seemed like in America ran for over 300 yards on this team. And I think the the biggest improvement is up front, the push up front, the help with the linebackers. I think the run defense is extremely improved. You saw pressure in that first game of the season against an SEC offensive line. I think uh, I think that has been improved. Like you said, the secondary hasn't necessarily been tested like a, a Big 12 team. Now, I don't think they're going to get a huge test out of Kansas State. As we know, Kansas State likes to run some power. They will throw the ball around, though, and they will test that secondary. Their sophomore quarterback, Skylar Thompson, you know, 13 of 18, 223 yards, two touchdowns this past weekend. So that kid is uh, is definitely capable of uh, hurting West Virginia if they're, you know, not playing their assignments and they get out of, uh, out of position. And I saw some things against Youngstown State, even they kind of drew a little suspicion with that secondary uh some things where guys were out of position they got beaten right off the route um and you're going to see and nothing against Youngstown State but you're going to see not just one guy on the team that's 6'4 you know that can that has that type of ability but and when you get in the Big 12 as you know Pete there's multiple guys on the field no matter who you're playing week in and week out on the Big in the Big 12 so um I think secondary looks good enough for now I don't think we've I don't think we've gotten uh, a true measurement of this secondary. I think we'll see a little bit of that this weekend, and we'll certainly see it against Texas Tech the following uh, following week. But uh, I, I think uh, much improved defense, and I, I expected it. I think this team's playing with a chip on its shoulder. And I said that this defense doesn't necessarily have to be elite. It just has to be good enough to complement that elite offense to be able to win a conference championship. Brandon Lowe is our guest. Uh, Brandon, a uh, last thing for you here when it comes to this game this weekend. These two teams have played very close games over the past couple of years. It just it, it seems like it's always been the case. I think of that game, I guess it was two years ago in Morgantown. It came down to a field goal at the very end. This game, uh, this weekend, w- what are your overall thoughts on how this is going to play out for West Virginia against K-State? Well, I think the uh, I think the odds makers are out of their minds in Vegas. They got a fourteen and a half point favorite with West Virginia. West Virginia is eleven and zero, and they're favored in the Big Twelve by double digits. Um, you normally see that with the other school uh, in Kansas, but I I think this is going to be a really close game. Coach Snyder got an extension for a reason, and Coach Snyder's got the name that he has in college football for a reason. So. Um, he's one of the best coaches in college football. He'll have his team ready. They're not scared of Morgantown, and uh, they'll certainly come to play. I think uh, with West Virginia plays plays their game, West Virginia should have no problem getting a victory. But, again, I, I point back to that secondary. I point back to that defense because this is going to be the best test West Virginia's defense has faced all season long. And uh, on the offensive side, uh, you know, outside of Greer and what he's doing, being, you know, among the top four quarterbacks nationally, passing efficiency and passing yards. We know what Seals, uh, Seals can do. We know what Jennings can do. But that running game is going to be extremely important for West Virginia throughout the season. Now, I think that's going to be the key in this game. You saw K-State get gashed by Mississippi State. Uh, that Hill kid ran for 211 yards. Their quarterback at 159 yards on 19 carries in that one. So I think the run game is going to be extremely important in this contest. Not ne- not necessarily the passing game. We know how important that is. But I think the run game is going to be important. And, you know, you got two, you got a ton of backs, West Virginia. Of course, Sink- Sinkfield's battling that ankle injury. But, you know, Petaway, you know, and Lettishman, uh, they have two capable backs there, one of only three FBS teams that feature two backs. Ferguson said that before the season. There needs to be more balance from Spavadol calling it offense with the passing game. And that's going to be important in this one. Brandon Lowe, the Brandon Lowe Show, Monday to Friday, as he's on Fox Sports in Charleston, 9.50 a.m. Brandon, thanks so much for a few minutes. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Pete. Now let me spend a few minutes while I have it turning our attention to 
the team that the Mountaineers are going to play this weekend, that's Kansas State. So each week I listen to the Big 12 coaches teleconference, and this really got me a little, got me pretty riled up. Bill Snyder was asked about the fact that, you know, all these non-conference games happen, more and more teams are starting to play other Power 5 opponents, and whether or not he likes that, appreciates that, and expects to do more of that going forward. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, if, if uh, television still has uh, the immense investment in uh, college football as it does and we buy into it, then, then my guess is yes, uh, there will be a lot of those uh, interconference contracts to, uh, to play, play each other. Now, you can hear it there in Bill Snyder's voice. He's not happy about it. He doesn't like it. He's not a fan of it. We know that. Bill Snyder, if he had his way, he'd play three FCS opponents because he believes his team gets better as the season goes on. That's all well and good, but welcome to the 21st century. I I, I love Coach Snyder, but if you're going to ask fans to pay a lot more money than they used to pay for tickets, and you got TV networks paying tens of millions of dollars to each of these schools, and by the way, they're doing it because of these premier non-conference games, you can hear it in Bill Snyder's voice. He's not happy about it, but he's got to get over it. He does. The networks are paying big bucks to see K-State play Mississippi State in the non-conference, not to see him play UTSA. I'm sorry. That's just not the case. So I hope we have more Power 5 on Power 5 matchups. I think it's great for the sport. I really do. Coming up, let's take a look at this weekend's games, everything that's going to take place right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. Well, we're finally starting to get more and more into Big 12 play, and that just uh, that really gets me excited. It does. I'm not going to lie. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, thanks so much for joining us and uh, being a part of the show as we look ahead to this weekend's games. And it's a pretty darn interesting slate. It really is. You got the Akron-Iowa State game. Of course, that's cream of the crop. I'm just kidding. That's not a game I'm all that interested in. I'm not going to lie. But... <laughs> You know, the two non-conference games are, eh, not great. You have Army taking on Oklahoma on the road in Norman. And then you've got, uh, as I mentioned, the Akron and Iowa State game. Iowa State should be able to get out of there and uh, take care of business. They're a 20-point favorite. Meantime, OU a big 32-point favorite at home over the Black Knights. So those two teams will take care of business. But all of a sudden, this game in Waco has a lot of intrigue around it. And you might say, what are you talking about? It's it's Kansas and Baylor. Yeah, but look at what Kansas did last week. Now, as I mentioned, I think what happened last week is more of a direct reflection on not as much Kansas as it is Rutgers. Rutgers quit in that game. They gave up. Chris Ash should be embarrassed by how his team played. But still, Kansas won a game 55-14. to That does not happen often, if ever, over the past decade or so. So it makes that game fairly interesting. And while Baylor's improved, the defense is not good. And you still have question marks at quarterback. Is it McClendon? Is it is it Charlie Brewer? Uh, there seems to be not confusion there, but at some point, Matt Rule's got to go with somebody, right? And by the way, there's a lot of infighting. I don't know if this is the case in a locker room, but the Baylor fan base is still up in arms. 
there's like this faction of the fan base that still longs for Art Bryles and thinks that, you know, Matt Rule can't sniff Art Bryles junk. And I just think that's ludicrous. I think Art Bryles is a great coach. Let's not forget this program was absolutely destroyed from the inside out with people leaving it, with transfers and everything else. And he has recruited better than anybody predicted he could have over these past cup, first couple of years. So I'm cutting Matt Rule a lot of slack. I like Matt Rule, and I think he's going to do good things there at Baylor. But there's still this infighting in the fan base. There wasn't enough people showing up. The students left too early last week. Just go win football games. You're 2-1. and one. You've doubled last year's win total. I know UTSA and Abilene Christian are teams you're supposed to beat. But you win this game. You're 3-1. and one which you probably predicted to be at worst. And then, you know what, roll the dice. If you can somehow find three wins, which I think is going to be very difficult to do on the rest of the schedule, you find yourself in a bowl game and you continue to build this thing. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's really not. That being said, I'm not ready to dive in on the Jayhawks yet. I'm not going to say the comeback is complete. Let's go with Baylor. Let's make this easy. Last week was an anomaly, and I like the Bears to take care of business at home. K-State, West Virginia. If you look at the recent games these two teams have played, every one is decided by like a point, two points, three points, four points. It's very interesting when these two teams hook up. So for that reason alone, you should be intrigued by this. I'm shocked that the spread is 16 points. I am. I thought it'd be more like 12, 13. I know K-State has been a hot mess so far. I watched them against South Dakota. Did not look good. I saw them in person against Mississippi State. Not much better, if not worse. Then last week, they get the win over UTSA. But one thing is true about Bill Snyder teams, as we pointed out, they do get better as the season goes on. The offensive line looked vastly improved. And on top of that, maybe Mississippi State is a team that's going to compete near the top of the SEC West. I'm not saying they're going to beat an Alabama or an Auburn or, uh, you know, an LSU, who all look very good. But if they're giving those teams a run for their money, I think Mississippi State might have a chance to do that. The defensive line is outstanding. Nick Fitzgerald is really good at quarterback. And maybe that game said more about how good Mississippi State is instead of how bad Kansas State is. I'm bad that I'm glad that this team has settled on Skylar Thompson at quarterback, and I hope that Bill Snyder just rolls with that. He's the guy. If you want to have a package here or there for Alex Delton, like on a third and short, fine, be my guess. But I don't think you really need it because Thompson can get you that first down with his legs if necessary. He can. But the Mountaineers have had two weeks off. That is, can be good or bad. In this case, I think it's good. They've had a week off to rest, refresh. They're going to come out dying to hit somebody in this game against the Wildcats. It's the home Big 12 opener in Morgantown. Place is going to be rocking for a 3.30 Eastern time start. I think West Virginia takes care of business with relative ease over the Kansas State Wildcats. And then you get the game that also a lot of people should have their eyes on. TCU at Texas. It's going to say a lot for both programs. You know, Tom Herman gets that big win over USC last week. He needed that. And not that he was going to get fired if he lost it, but just from a fan perspective, you couldn't lose to Maryland, barely hang on against Tulsa, and then lose to USC in year two. It would have been a horrible look. But TCU has not only owned Texas, TCU has owned every Big 12 team in the state of Texas for the past couple of years. 
And if Tom Herman wants to signal that this team is back, you pick up a win over the 17th-ranked Horned Frogs in front of your home crowd, and you will really start to get some momentum flowing in. That is what will happen if Texas can win this game. It's going to be very difficult because TCU, I know they're coming off the Ohio State game. Both teams are coming off high emotional games. But, you know, if Texas can pull this thing off, it changes a lot about Tom Herman from the standpoint of the fans and the standpoint of where this program is headed, if he can be the guy, and the heat's off for a little bit longer until the OU game a couple weeks later. So it'll be fun to watch that one, a 3.30 central time kickoff. I still like TCU because I like Gary Patterson. I like the coaching staff better for TCU, but I think it should be a pretty darn good game. And then you've got Texas Tech and Oklahoma State in Stillwater. Now, Cliff Kingsbury and his guys get a big win last week. But Oklahoma State proved that even though they don't have those stud Heisman contenders like Rudolph and Washington and Whedon and Blackman, uh, Cornelius can run a little bit. His accuracy, his protecting the ball was better last week than it had been over the first two games. And there's a lot to like about what this program is going on right now, what this team has going on in a year that a lot of people thought there might be a drop-off. So Oklahoma State's at home. It's a night game in Stillwater. I believe they'll take care of business once again pretty easily, like West Virginia, a double-digit win, maybe 10, 11, 12 points, something in that range. It could be a couple of touchdowns. But the Pokes take care of business. Texas Tech's going to be on the road, a tough environment, first Big 12 start for a true freshman in Alan Bowman. Jim Knowles is going to throw a lot of confusing stuff at him and Oklahoma State will move to 4-0. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Thanks so much for being a part of the show, guys. We will talk to you next week, same time, same place, on Heartland College Sports Weekly. 2,000 country stations. Yeah, we're one big country nation. That's right. Thanks again for listening, guys. Really appreciate it. Once again, rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Send me a screenshot, Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. I'll send you a free koozie. And betnow.eu is our sponsor, promo code HEARTLAND, for a 100% sign-up bonus. Talk to you guys soon.